You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, the slide continues for the Jets after a shutout loss in Columbus. We get ready for a big-time back-to-back beginning in mini, plus Andrew Kopp's Olympic charge for Team USA. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Hope you guys are doing good and a happy Thanksgiving to our listeners down south. I, I got to say this quickly first. I, as, as a very, very proud Canadian, I don't think there's a whole lot that the Americans do better than us. And I've thought this for a while, but the harsh truth is, is this. That the Yankees got us beat on Turkey Day. They they do Thanksgiving right. And I'm 100% on board with, with adopting that in Canada moving forward. Two days off to gorge. And you could open up the NHL season on that same day too. So you have hockey all day long, just like football down south. So I, I think this is something we need to make happen. I don't know who I need to talk to, to to get this in motion. Also, I think that from Christmas to New Year's should just be pure holidays. No work for anybody. So this is my platform. It's what I believe in. Let's make it happen next year. Uh, anyways, I think I've uh, stalled long enough here because I don't really want to talk about the Jets. But we got to do it. The Jets aren't playing very good. Four straight losses now. And hey, I, I bet you guys would love to vent and talk about what's going on wrong after a shutout loss in Columbus Wednesday. And basically zero offense on the board here at Winnipeg over the past couple of weeks. 18 goals in their last nine games. Not the problem many expected the Jets to have at, at pretty much any point this season. They've been okay defensively over this stretch and, and for most of the season as well. So, I mean, what's gone wrong with the offense starting in that game in Columbus? I mean, the main thing is this, and I, I'm not breaking any news here or anything. But the Jets special teams is is just absolutely killing them. It, it's killing this team right now and really all season long. It's been hurting this club and, and probably cost them, I don't know, six points? Six points. It's, it's the difference right now, I think, between this club being middle of the pack in the central and being atop the division. I mean, the PK cost them a few games at the start of the year. I mean, and throughout the year as well. But now the power play has wrestled away the Goat Horns because they've been awful for a few weeks now. I think 
They're on a 1-for-22 slump. It, it feels a lot worse than that, to be honest. And, and while they're not scoring a ton 5-on-5 five five right now, I think the Jets have still been pretty damn good at even strength during this stretch. It's just been overshadowed by the absolutely brutal special teams. So, I, I mean, I guess that's a slight silver lining. It's not as bad as the, the seven-gamer last year because the team was just outplayed in all phases. But it still stinks because there have been a lot of winnable games these past few. And I mean, look, specifically in Columbus, how different does that game look if the Jets could have capitalized once or twice on the power play, right? Instead, they go 0-4, and then Zach Rowinski scores on the freaking man advantage in the third period to pretty much ice the game. I mean, that right there is how a power play, or special teams in general, can help boost a team that's a little low on confidence when it comes to the offensive side of the game and kickstart you in the right direction as well. And the Jets generated some decent offense 5-on-5 five five in the game, but Elvis Merzlikens had himself a hell of a contest. And to be honest, on a side note, I'm getting kind of sick of goalies having standout games against Winnipeg, right? I wouldn't mind that trend turning around this weekend. It would come at the perfect time. But I, I think ultimately 5-on-5, five five, the Jets are going to turn things around. And the goals will come soon. There's a lot of talent and realistically, they're doing a lot of things right. They're still getting scoring chances. They're still getting a ton of shots. I think they had 36 in the game. The goals are more than likely going to start coming sooner than later. The power play, though. The power play is a different story. Or is it? Because you know what? I, I do think they can turn it around and, and maybe sooner than expected. And look, the penalty kill I have no hope for. I mean, it's been too bad for too long to realistically think it's going to improve and, and be anything worse than anything better than below average. I think honestly below average is probably best case scenario with the Jets this season because I don't think it matters who the personnel is. The penalty kill system is completely broken. It's too passive and it's going to get beat time and time again by the better power plays in the NHL. But the power play units, while their performance on the ice these past couple of weeks has been dreadful, at the very least, there's change coming. And the power play that was on the ice during practice looked pretty damn juicy on Thursday for the Jets. And, and maybe that's the move that gets the needle going in the right direction. Because finally, for a lot of fans, finally, for the first time, maybe forever, Nikolai Ehlers is on the first power play unit. I'll repeat, we have an Ehler sighting on the first power play unit. It's a hallelujah moment, but he's finally there, joined by the usual suspects, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, Kyle Connor, and Neil Pionk. This, to me, is the ideal personnel on the top unit. These are the guys that should have been out there right from the beginning, and I think it's because these five are out there that the Jets are eventually going to figure things out on the man advantage. Because you put everybody in their ideal situations and you're honestly getting the best of their strengths, right? Because, and we'll get to Blake Wheeler in just a sec, but Blake Wheeler's specialty, we all know for a number of years, he's been one of the best on the half wall running the power play. So you put him there on the right side. Shifley's in the slot for one-timers. He's, he's able to use his shot as a big-time weapon. Kyle Connor's down low. And Nikolai Ehlers is on the left side, ready to walk in and, and let her rip, right? We've seen him score a ton of goals on the second power play unit for the Jets these past couple of seasons in that spot. And then you have Neil Pionk, obviously, at the point. A guy that's been very effective on the power play in his career. So everyone's at a spot where they're most effective 
On top of all that, you get an automatic zone entry with Nikolai Ehlers carrying the puck in, and we know in the past, that's been a major problem when the power play has struggled. It's because they don't get into the zone cleanly, and they waste about 30 seconds before they finally get in, and then everything kind of compounds on top of that. So I, I love the setup. We'll see if it gets going in Minnesota, but honestly, you look at the skill that's out there, you, you kind of know what the setup's going to be. I think it's going to work. I think after a couple of games, this discussion around the struggling power play is going to be a thing of the past. And we're going to talk about, all of a sudden, a red-hot man advantage and how the Jets have been able to turn things around, at least in that side of the offensive department. So hopefully the shakeup in personnel helps to get the special teams going. The same, though, does need to be done up front for even strength as well, even though I think 5-on-5 five five, the Jets have been okay in this stretch. And again, just like the power play... You know, we all know what the solution is here, right? Blake Wheeler goes down to the third line, and Evgeny Svechnikov moves back up beside Connor and Dubois. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, and I think you love the way the team looks up front. Because, look, it's just not working for Blake Wheeler right now, and it feels like it's getting worse after each passing game. I get the thinking, at least, from Paul Maurice in trying to kickstart Blake Wheeler's game, putting him beside some skilled line mates, and maybe that gets him going offensively, gets a little bit of production and, and good vibes in his game. I can understand it. I wouldn't have done it, but I get it. But it hasn't worked. And now you've got both Blake Wheeler struggling. Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois have gone silent for a couple of games right now. And it, it just feels like the whole offensive mix up front has been a little wonky since we saw that shakeup inside the top nine for Winnipeg. So to me, the move is clear. You draw Blake Wheeler down. You hope Paul Stasny is healthy, I guess, first and foremost. He did skate at practice. The hope is that he's going to be back and ready to go as soon as the game in Minnesota. But that's the perfect spot for me. Lowry, Stasny, Wheeler. You cut down on Blake Wheeler's minutes. Might give you a more refreshed and recharged captain as well, right? Less time on ice means more energy spent during those shifts. And someone that can get to the score sheet sooner than later, right? Maybe even in his home state Friday afternoon. So... That's, I think, the big move that should be made. It's what everyone's clamoring for outside of the dressing room. We'll see if Paul Maurice does it. We know in the in the past he's been a little hesitant and a little stubborn to uh, take away those high-end opportunities from Blake Wheeler. But watching the games, it's, it's just hard to come to any other solution right now. And I think 15, 16 minutes a night for the time being is going to do Blake Wheeler a world of good by the time January, February, and March roll around. So we'll see what happens. The first big test, at least as far as what the team looks like up front, because there was that shakeup of the game in Columbus. That'll happen, like I mentioned, Friday against Minnesota. And that's where we'll head to next with a preview of a big, big weekend for the Jets upcoming but let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings who have some really great deals for you guys now that the NHL season is underway. One of those, and it's a huge one from an official sports betting partner of the NHL, but if you bet just $1 on any game, you win $100 in free bets, not if the team you pick wins. But if either team in that game scores one goal, that's it. It's super easy. And if you don't have Sportsbook available in your state just yet, remember DraftKings has big-time cash prizes all season long with their daily fantasy sports contests. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck of the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so this is not the matchup. <laughs> this is not the weekend back-to-back said you want when you're struggling to score goals and you're wanting to find some points and find them fast. But the Winnipeg Jets have a bit of a tough one here. Into Minnesota Friday afternoon in that weird Black Friday start time before they head out west to take on the Calgary Flames in a Saturday night showdown. We'll start off with the game in Minnesota. Before we get into some of the numbers and everything like that, my prediction is it's going to be an absolutely nutty game. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but I think the Jets and Wild played on a Black Friday afternoon in Minnesota in years past, and it ended up being like a 6-5 game or something like that. I, I Just a weird feeling that it's going to be something along that vein. Maybe, hey, let's hope it's the opposite, but probably similar to the matchup between these two teams in their first meeting of the season, that wild back-and-forth game that Minnesota ultimately had that crazy comeback to, to steal two points away from Winnipeg. I think we're going to get a ton of goals in this one. It, it might be a tough one for Connor Hellebuck, but I think we're going to get a ton of goals if the Jets get the offense going in this one. Because Minnesota, this ain't your uh, this ain't your grandpa's Minnesota Wild anymore because they're excited and they score goals. Top five in the NHL right now, if you can believe that. Goals for this season are the Minnesota Wild. And on top of that, they give up a decent amount too. They're not as stingy as they used to be in the past. Obviously led up front by Kirill Kaprasov, who's right around a point a game once again this season. But after that, it, I mean, this part of the Wild is the same. It's offense by committee. They, they just get a little bit more goals this time around, but they've got a ton of players that are averaging around like 0.6 points per game this season, which is roughly 50 points. So you got Kaprasov, who's kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink, but then a ton of a ton of really good ice cubes like those craft big circular sphere ice cubes that's the rest of the minnesota wild forward group if you can move along here with my very poor analogy but the wild are they're they're a tricky team offensively to deal with they've they've just got they roll four lines they're very very effective they come at you in waves and we saw it in that opening game they're going to be a really really tough team to take down here for the winnipeg jets which is interesting to see how they go about reshaking their forward core in this game right because Adam Lowry's line is going to get a ton of minutes in this one to go up against the Minnesota Wild forward core who you know pretty much roll all four lines outside of Kaprizov getting a few more extra shifts over everybody else the defense is still super solid on the back end led by right now Matt Dumba and Jonas Brodeen the Jets are a bit lucky the Wild unfortunate that Jared Spurgeon is set to miss a, a decent amount of time due to injuries, so a big hole for the Minnesota Wild there. John Merrill playing beside Alex Goligoski right now, so I mean, there's a matchup that the Winnipeg Jets could definitely take advantage of. And how about that? A third pair, a former Jet third pair of Jordy Ben and Dmitry Kulikov. 
But the real weakness for the Minnesota Wild, two main weaknesses in their squad. The first has been goaltending. Cam Talbot has been below average to okay. He's got a 905 save percentage on the season. But Capo Kakadin's given the Wild absolutely nothing at an 870 save percentage. So, I mean, that's a spot where the Jets have a major, major advantage in this game. The other fun thing, the Winnipeg Jets won't have the worst power play of this one. If you could believe that, the Minnesota Wild come in at just 17% so far this season. So, you never know. Maybe the uh, Winnipeg Jets vaunted penalty kill can uh, come up with a big day and and keep what's been a pretty toothless Minnesota Wild power play off the score sheet in that one. I think there's going to be a ton of goals, though. It's going to be a super exciting game. Can't wait for the matchup whatsoever. It's a much easier matchup, though, even with the Wild being 12-6-1 this season than what faces the Jets on Saturday night. I mean, this is a tough one. I mean, you take the travel into account, too. At the very least, you get the old, you know, afternoon game. And then a bit of time because it's a night game Saturday night in Calgary. But that's a decent bit of a trek from Minnesota over to Calgary. And on top of that, they take on, in my opinion, the best team so far in the NHL this season. I, I know Florida got off to that amazing start. There, nothing wrong with Florida. Carolina's a great team as well. But I don't know if you find a more well-rounded team than the Calgary Flames right now. Because they're pretty much top five in every single category. And my preseason bold prediction of Daryl Sutter winning Jack Adams and Jacob Markstrom winning the Vezina looks pretty damn good right now, I must say. But the Flames score a ton. Top five in goals four so far this season. They give up the least amount of goals because I think Jacob Markstrom has like 14 shutouts so far this season already. Their power play is outstanding. Top five. Just outside the top five at sixth. And the penalty kill is third in the NHL at 87.7%. So, I mean, there really is no weakness with the Calgary Flames right now. They are just an absolute unit. And they're pretty much rolling through everybody across the NHL right now. This is a really, really tough one for the Jets. I mean, the big one, the big matchup in this one, and I imagine Pierre-Luc Dubois will get the call just because of what we saw when the team went up against Edmonton. But you could also make the case that the Flames have the best line in hockey going right now. Surprisingly, with Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, and Matthew Kachuk. I mean, those three, there's been a lot of good Flames players this season. Mangiapane being one of them. But that top line has just been out-freaking-standing. Johnny Gaudreau looks like the player he was, you know, three or four seasons ago when he put together a, a mini-MVP campaign. Matthew Kachuk is annoying as hell, and he's a point-of-game player. And then Elias Lindholm. You want to talk about a guy that probably deserves the moniker for most underrated player in the NHL. He gets basically no love from anybody, but he's doing all the dirty work down the middle for the Flames on that line. And he's had a really, really good start to the season. So that's really the main shutdown force that the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to try and go up against there to see if they can slow down what's been, no doubt, one of the best lines at the very least in hockey so far this season. And then their goaltending has a 940 and a 946 save percentage so far. And like I mentioned, Jacob Markstrom has been out of this world and is easily the clubhouse leader right now for the Vesta Trophy. So it's a really tough matchup for the Jets. I'm intrigued to see how they match up against Calgary as opposed to the back-to-back -back against the Oilers. You know, Calgary's always been kind of a tricky opponent for the Jets. So I'll, I'll be intrigued to see... What the matchups look like, how fast they play against the Calgary Flames, because 
there's this misconception of, of a Daryl Sutter coach hockey team that it's just dump and chase and, and grind away. The Flames are a really, really fast team. They come at you in waves. They attack in different levels. They always have a defenseman pushing up the ice. I mean, Daryl Sutter is just a damn good hockey coach. He's a he's an old school guy. He might not be the best soundbite, but the guy knows how to run a hockey team. And he's doing a hell of a job right now with the Calgary Flames. The other, you know, interesting bit going into this one, and, and Paul Maurice actually touched on it heading into the game against Minnesota, but confirmed that Connor Hellebuck's going to get the start against the Wild. And then he brought up the possibility or maybe the likelihood that Hellebuck could or is likely to play both of these games here against the Wild and the Flames. I know it's kind of on vogue to uh, avoid having your starting goalie play both ends of a back-to-back, especially when there's travel involved. But I actually don't mind the decision here if you, if you give Hellebuck both of these games. Because in the past, Connor Hellebuck's actually played pretty good you know, on both ends of a back-to-back. But these are two massive, massive games for the club as they try to get out of this hole. And then on top of it, you get the Arizona Coyotes coming to town on Monday night. And I think that's a perfect opportunity to get Connor Hellebuck some rest. So I would rather have Helly and Net for the two games this weekend. You give him the night off Monday against the Arizona Coyotes. You, you feel pretty confident that Eric Conry gets the job done. And the Jets can grab the two points in that one on Monday night. To me, that's the game the backup goalie is primed for. But in these two heavyweight matchups, I want to see Connor Hellebuck between the pipes. And I ultimately think that's what Paul Maurice does. So that's what's on tap this upcoming weekend. And we'll break all of that down when we come back on Tuesday's episode. But before we wrap up here and get you guys ready to go for the weekend... You know, I thought it was interesting. I touched on it in Tuesday's episode, and I want to make sure I get to it here before we call it a day. But we're getting a little bit closer to Olympic hockey, and it's just interesting about roughly 20 games into the season now for most teams, how the rosters are shaping up for each of the different countries. And we can get to Canada maybe next week, but I wanted to take a look at Team USA because, and I don't know how much love he's getting outside of Winnipeg, but it's pretty wild to think that there's a decent chance Andrew Kopp, Andrew Kopp could be an Olympian for Team USA when they head to Beijing later this year. It's not as outlandish as you might think. Now, a big part of that, you know, fortunately for him, unfortunately for the two others, you know, no Jack Eichel likely for Team USA, Potentially no Jack Hughes as well due to injury. So, you know, if those are if those two players are unhealthy to go, that opens up a huge opportunity for Andrew Kopp to come make the team. But I'm telling you what, I think he's got a really, really good chance. And if I was making my Team USA right now, knowing that Eichel and Hughes weren't gonna be there, I'm taking I'm taking Andrew Kopp with me to Beijing for Team USA. And there's a few reasons for that. I mean, we mentioned the injuries there, which is fortunate for Andrew Kopp's Olympic candidacy. But Joe Pavelski has gotten off to a really, really slow start so far for Dallas this season. That's another potential centerman that might be out of the conversation for Team USA. There's not a lot of healthy centermen right now for the Americans. Because you have Austin Matthews, JT Miller, who plays a bit of both, but I imagine... He gets the call to move back into the middle there. All of a sudden, things are looking pretty good. Pretty, pretty good for Andrew Kopp to grab what I think would be the fourth line center role for Team USA. 
Not only that, but he's also tied for 10th in scoring amongst American forwards this year, which is maybe higher than you thought. Tied with Drake Batherson, by the way. I don't know how many people would have guessed that. Those two as top 10 scoring American forwards. But when you take all that into consideration and the fact that, you know, even though these are Olympic teams, you're going to need guys that can penalty kill. You're going to need guys that are good defensively. You're going to need guys that are good on the face-offs. Andrew Cuff fills all those roles. Plus, he can play on the wing as well. He's very versatile. I mean, he's a it's a nice piece to have if you're a coaching staff. You know, a guy that can play higher up in the lineup and play with skilled players if there's injuries, but he can be essentially your fourth line penalty kill forward. And we all know how insanely important special teams can be in short tournaments like this. So if it comes down to, you know, a player, and I don't want to necessarily name a name, but like, for example, if it comes down to a Drake Batherson or an Andrew Kopp, for example, or, you know, a Troy Terry or whoever it might be, if the offensive production is similar, but Andrew Kopp gives you the intangibles and the ability to play very well defensively, it, it's not much of a decision for a coaching staff to pick Andrew Kopp over somebody that might be slightly more offensively skilled. So we'll keep an eye on this as we move forward, and, and maybe we should do so for Neil Pionk too, who's got an outside chance at cracking, unfortunately for him, what is looking to be a pretty, pretty good American blue line. But if I had to put my money down right now, I say that Andrew Kopp is an Olympian for Team USA, and he'll join Cal Connor and Connor Hellebuck to play for the Americans to ultimately lose at some point, whether it's a medal game or in the round robin, are in the semifinal to a much deeper, much superior, the greatest hockey team on the planet, Team Canada. That's their destiny, but it would be good for Andrew Kopp to get that exposure, and he could just add that to his contract demands coming up in, in the offseason here. Yeah, I'm a point-of-game player and an Olympian right now. Give me the Brinks truck, baby. Back it up. So, hey, Andrew Kopp's earned it so far. We'll keep that in mind as we move forward here, but I think we ultimately do utter the sentence, Andrew Kopp, American Olympian in hockey when they head to Beijing later this year. But that's where we'll leave it. Maybe we'll talk Canadian Olympic team sometime next week. Shifley, Dubois, and the rest of the group. But we'll be back on Tuesday. Maybe touching on that, but definitely touching on the back-to-back against Calgary and Minnesota. As well as the Monday night showdown, the return home, the please get two points game against the lowly Arizona Coyotes. But until then... Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Peace.